Returning to the podcast, it's a massive pleasure to have Sky Sports News presenter and one of the best in the business, if I do say, Julian Warren, back for a chat. And an awful lot's happened. An awful lot's happened since our last conversation, but Mm. we'll get to that. Uh, It's great to see you again. How's things? Yeah, you too, mate. Really good. Thanks for that build-up, by the way. That's, that's really good of you. Uh, no, I'm well. Yeah, things are good. Obviously, getting back into the, the swing of the season at, at Sky with at the first soccer special of the season on Tuesday with the uh, first round Carabao Cup, which is always like a, a back with a bang night, which is so many games and you know upsets and penalties and all that sort of stuff. So that was fun. But I mean, it, feel, it probably feels like all, to all football fans, like we've not really had much of a break because it was last season and all the stresses of that and then straight into the Euros and then a couple of weeks later and, and we're up and running again but yeah excited for the weekend that's the main thing seeing how the Blue Boys get on yeah certainly and I mean we will get to that because I know you enjoy any opportunity to talk about Everton but, oh yeah but I think as I say this time it was roughly around this time last year when we last spoke and so much has happened particularly in football uh, news wise but none bigger I believe than in the last week. Um, I honestly never thought I'd live to see the day, but Lionel Messi departed FC Barcelona to join Paris Saint-Germain as a free agent. And I've gone through a sort of a range of emotions, obviously. I, I feel like I've somewhat grown up following his career as a kid to now, mm. obviously. And I've gone from feeling absolutely gutted about him leaving Barca, as you could probably see how gutted he was himself in his final press conference mm. at Barca, to just so excited at the prospect of him being in this PSG side. Mm. So, before anything else, what was your take on the move? By the way, I spotted the PSG shirt. So, uh, I got, I, hey, by, the, by the way, on, by the way, I got it before he signed. I got it. Like, I'm sure you did. I, I'm I did. Sure I did. promise. I promise. <laughs> You're going to get the 30 Messi on the back, are you, though, yeah? No, I'm not 10 years old. <laughs> um, I, I, listen, I'm like you. I mean, he went there, what, when he was 13, was it, I think, when he first went to the club? So, 21 years later. I mean, I just never I never thought I'd see the day that Messi would be anywhere else than, than Barcelona, even when the whole Manchester City thing blew up uh, in the last 12 months or so. I still I still never felt that was going to get over the line. Just never, and it, and it obviously it didn't. But, uh, yeah, I just... I just never thought I'd see this day. I thought he was Barca through and through. He'd be a one-club man. He'd leave a hero, you know, 35, 36. Probably be the manager there in a few years after that. You know, I just, just thought that was the way it was going to go. But, and even in fact, the other day, you know, when it first came out that, oh, this contract wasn't going to be possible and he was going to have to leave, I thought, oh, no, they're just trying to put the pressure back on the La Liga to mm-hmm. come up with some sort of loophole where, where they keep him, you know, for the good of Barca and for the good of Spanish football. But, so yeah, I was stunned. And in fact, I was on last night on Sky Sports News and you know, we were running all the pictures and the interview with him and just the crazy scenes in Paris with being sort of paraded as a PSG player, you know, in, in the PSG kit. And, like, you know, just jarred, completely jarred. Uh, I think it'll jar even further when you see it for the first time out on the pitch, you know, running over the white line, not wearing the Barcelona kit, but in, in, in the blue of PSG. But then I think when, when you see that first game when he's up front alongside Mbappe and Neymar... <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. I mean, who isn't? As a football fan, you've got to look forward to that. Just fascinating to see, does it work? I mean, it should work, but no, no guarantees that those three three big egos are all going to fit in and, and lay a ball on the plate for each other. They want to be the main man, don't they? So it's going to be really interesting. But yeah, Messi at PSG, it's going to take a bit of time to sink in, I think. I know, it is. It's, it's absolutely surreal. Um, and as you say, like in terms of the departure from Barcelona, um, I had a little look at... Um, 
the the numbers and they speak for themselves. I think it was six hundred and seventy two goals, uh, and as he as was repeated several times throughout his pe- his final press conference, thirty five trophies, six Ballon d'Ors, mm. and you know the the picture of him standing with all the the trophies that he'd won in his final press conference um, was just absolutely incredible. Uh, like you said, mate, I honestly thought he'd be a one club man at Barca, um, at Barca uh, for the rest of his career. Um, but obviously, given their financial issues, uh, following the mismanagement of the previous directors, that wasn't to be. Um, and I think it's pretty common knowledge that the only clubs that could entertain a contract for Lionel Messi would have been either Paris Saint-Germain or Manchester City. Um, do you think the Jack Grealish deal basically disabled City from making direct contact with Messi and his party? And do you think that they'll regret it? Whether they'll regret it, I mean, Grealish is pretty talented in himself and what, how much younger is he? 10, 11 years younger as yeah. well. So he's got a lot, of, lot, lot to offer for the next decade or so. Um, I, I'm pretty sure that, I mean, it's caught everyone in the hop, isn't it? I think it's caught, Pep didn't know it was going to happen. I think you could tell from Messi's raw emotion, I think, you know, it, it came as a surprise to him as well in, in, in what, the space of a week. So I, I think, obviously, Manchester City have been lining up Grealish for, for a while throughout the summer. So I think, obviously, had they known this was coming, uh, I, I, I would think that they would have put all their financial eggs into the messy basket, I would have thought. I, I, I mean, what's going to be interesting in the next few weeks is to see whether City get Kane as well. You know, the outlay of, what, £200 million plus in, in transfer fees, then plus wages as well. You know, obviously, it would have been a lot of money financially to bring Messi in on his wages and the signing on fee but obviously no tra- no transfer fee so um, yeah I'm pretty sure had they known the Messi situation was was going to blow up they would whether they would have gone for him and Grealish I can't see that they might have gone for him and Kane <laughs> imagine that blimey um, but no, I, I think Grealish they, they wouldn't have pursued that I think had they known they, they had a chance of getting Messi but yeah I think it was those two only really wasn't it sadly Goodison wasn't really a realistic option was it um, but uh, yeah and you know I hear a lot of people saying, yeah, but could he cope with the Premier League? You know, could he cope with the Premier League? 34, you know, has he passed his powers and uh, are they waning now? Like, but I look back at last season, you know, he still scored 38 goals for Barcelona. <laughs> and it's supposedly, you know, apparently he's, you know, he's starting to fade now. <laughs> 38 goals, starred in the Copa, didn't he, uh, last week as well. Uh, and, you know, he's going to France now where, you know, we all know the French League in terms of its competitiveness isn't the Premier League. Uh, it's probably a level below La Liga as well. I mean, in theory, he should absolutely boss that league, shouldn't he? He should absolutely fill his boots. But we should remember that last season, PSG, even with Neymar, Mbappe, Di Maria, etc., didn't, didn't win, win the Champions League, fell up short, didn't win the league. Lille beat him to it. So there's no guarantees that he's going to suddenly go in there and bang in 60 goals and win everything. Exactly. Um, and uh, as you rightly say, I think, you know, it was common knowledge that those two that those two clubs were the the only ones that could offer something of substance, really, in regards to his contract. Mm. And I really do think that that instigates a real shift of power um, and a new dawn in football as a whole. But the argument that I think Messi is weighing, and I just I don't I don't think that has any no. gravity to it whatsoever. I still think at thirty four, he is the best player on the planet, mm. and it leads me to this question. You know, obviously. Um, it's argued that he's in his last two years, last two seasons, or whatnot. Over the years of watching him, Jules, do you have any standout memories of him? And do you think he's the goat? Oh, 
I mean, I know you know from our area of watching you know, Maradona. I, I was starting to watch football mid '80s, so I, I sort of remember a bit about Maradona. But I was a lad really, so I didn't really appreciate just how good he was. Then obviously it's the whole Ronaldo versus Messi debate, isn't it? Um, and the thing is, that it's so hard, and, and that's why it's, it's such a debate. It's so hard to differentiate between the two and say who is the best. For me, it's between those two. I think yeah. for what they've won and, and the longevity and the impact they've had on the world game in the last 15 years or so. So for me, it's between those two. Um, I, I just don't know how you separate them because, you know, Ronaldo, the physical specimen that he is, the, the ability he's got on the ground in the air as well. I mean, there's not many better headers of the ball, is there, in world football than, than Ronaldo, the way he hangs and just stays up in the air and the goals he scored with his head as well as with his boot. And then Messi is just a magician. He's just the, the ultimate football artist, isn't he? Um, some of the goals he scored over the years. So, I mean, I just love watching them. And I think you're always aware as we've been watching them over recent years, you know, are we making the most of them, enjoying these guys? Because, you know, now we're getting to the stage in a couple of years' time, they'll be off in MLS or wherever they'll be, and we're not going to be seeing them at the top of the European game. And have we made the most of them? I hope we have. And obviously, in years to come, we'll have all the footage we'll look back on. But these two guys, I mean, the numbers... The statistics are scary, aren't they? Yeah. And the, what they've won, I mean, they're absolute, they're geniuses, aren't they? I mean, they are absolutely brilliant. So I don't think we'll see their like for a long time. No, I know. And that's a really good point. That I'm so grateful that I lived in this era where we got the opportunity to experience the both of, the, both yeah. of them. And I, I certainly would hold the pair of them top three. I think Mar- Maradona's in there as well. Obviously, I'm just going mm. off watching video and that. But, you know, mm. to have two of arguably the greatest sportsmen of all time um, go head-to-head, ultimately defining the El Clasico rivalry mm. um, over so many years. As I say, I- I'm mm. massively grateful for that. And uh, for my yeah. own, yeah, yeah, I don't think there's been anyone better, to be fair. But to, to switch-, switch gears, now you mentioned that Another massive story to come out over the summer was, of course, Messi finally winning something um, with Argentina and winning the Copa Americas. Uh, and mm. on our side of the pond, we had the Euros over the summer. And mm. it's always fascinating to me um, to talk about the English national team uh, because of the conflicting relationship between the English national team and people on Merseyside and people from Merseyside, if you know what I mean. Uh, mm-hmm. And with me living in the city centre this summer, it was just absolutely fascinating to watch the Euros. And, you know, especially with the return of having some fans in the ground, at least it was for my money, you know, the best international tournament that I've seen. Um, and you, of course, were at the heart of it uh, with Sky Sports News. And as I said to you mm-hmm. on Instagram, that picture of you on set with <laughs> Wembley in the background is one of the coolest yeah. photos that I have <laughs> ever seen. So, what just relate to me? How do you reflect on your experience of the Euros this summer? Uh, it was amazing, and actually, and you mentioned that picture I put on Insta um, at Wembley, the stadium, we, uh, the, stadium, the studio we had down there. I mean, all credit to the, to the guys at Sky who, who managed to get it because I think of all the broadcasters, you know, uh, nationally and internationally, all about their various spots around Wembley. I think I think that one was by far the best position in terms of location, right at the end of Wembley Way steps up to Wembley right behind us it was an amazing place to be and, and particularly you know on those England match days being there and seeing you know from mid-morning onwards the fans starting to arrive and the numbers building and just actually that's when it really hit me being there at Wembley was you know fans are back you know we've missed this and can you imagine if this had been the Euros 
and for some reason there hadn't been fans inside. Can you imagine how different an experience it would have been um, at Wembley? You know, not having the supporters there. It, it was just, it was just fantastic. It actually was. I say emotional, maybe that's going to be over the top, but it, you know, it, it did hit me a bit, you know, just looking out, particularly the, um, the Germany game. I was, I was on air for the build-up to the Germany game a few hours before kickoff, and I was there, and, and the fans were starting to arrive, and the songs were starting, and there was young and old, England, everyone face-painted, and with the flags and the shirts and stuff, and singing away Sweet Caroline and all that, and it was just really special, you know, to be there and to just to be part of it. I mean, we were hampered a little bit because, as you know, um, the, the games are shown live on, on the B and ITV. So, you know, with Sky, we're not a, 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 a right soul in that regard. So we couldn't go in and obviously cover the matches on air, but we did all the build-up stuff. And obviously we had people come into the studio and ex-England players. And so we did all the build-up stuff. So it was, it was great. And just to be part of it, be down there and, and feeling that big match experience and feeling a major tournament on English soil at Wembley was uh, was really special. Obviously, it didn't quite finish the way we would have liked and a bit of a sour taste in the, in the mouth at the end. But all in all, I mean, it was an amazing experience. Yeah, I'm sure that was absolutely massive to your career as a whole. You know, when when you look back on that, that will certainly be uh, special mm-hmm. in regards to your career. Uh, now, you mentioned the final not quite going England's way. And to be honest, that pretty much summed up my feelings towards supporting England, the final itself, like mm. I'm just indifferent. Um, I, I'm just, I can take it or leave it. And I just enjoy watching a good game of football, you know, and it was absolutely fascinating. Mm. Obviously England are, are a great football inside with a great group of lads. And you've just got that tactical wit of Italy. Uh, Mancini's mm. managed to build a fantastic side there. Um, but of course, when it went to penalties, it was ultimately Everton's goalkeeper against Italy, in which case, obviously, I, I wanted Jordan Pickford to win, you know. Um, and Pickford himself, um, he had an absolutely outstanding tournament, uh, won the Golden Glove, and I honestly believe whichever goalkeeper came out winner of that penalty shootout may have walked away with player of the tournament as a whole, as you know, Donnarumma won mm. the, the player of the tournament. So I just wanted to ask, you know, especially among Evertonians, he is quite a divisive player. Um, what's your take on him? I've, I've been like many Evertonians, I've been really split on Jordan, you know, and, and frustrated by him at times and the mistakes he's made and, and sometimes the way he is. But I think that tournament could be the making of Jordan Pickford. I mean, we, we've, we've seen in games, haven't we, as an Everton fan as a, and England supporters as well, what he's capable of. The, as a shot stopper, there's not many better than him. Um, and you know, his distribution and all that, which people know very well about. But I think that tournament, just mentally for him, will have done him the world of good. You know, people now respect him. And also, yeah, I think he's the sort of guy that probably does take notice of what people are saying about him. And to have, you know, the nation behind him and Everson fans behind him, as most of us have been throughout, despite the odd frustration with him. But So I, I think that, that really will now kickstart his career and I think we'll see the best of him at Everson next season I really do I think confidence wise belief wise I think he's not short of confidence but I think knowing that everyone's behind him and, and knowing that everyone says yeah you are a good keeper you are England's number one you are undoubtedly the best keeper at Everton I think that's going to really show him on to another level next season and um, I think he really matured in that tournament and it's easy just to say that oh yeah he grew up and just because he had a good tournament. But I really saw a different Jordan pick for that. He had that little wobbly game in the semi, didn't he? Where there were just glimpses that maybe the old Jordan was just a little bit of him left there um, with a couple of uh, rather strange moments. But overall, listen, I think we're really going to benefit from that next season. I I just wish him all the best for next season. Yeah, certainly. I've always been a 
huge backer of Jordan Pickford, and you rightly point to his maturation there. And I feel like that that Jorginho penalty, where the cameras mm. caught him saying to himself, "No problem, mate, no problem." Then he pulls out one of you know one of the best penalty saves that I've seen. Like yeah, as you say, mate, you know fingers tro- you know, fingers crossed. I mean, he had a bit of a wobble in that preseason game against United, but hopefully uh, he turns in one of his better seasons this coming season. Mm. Now. I'm opening the door here to wider Everton discussion, um, as painful as it can be. I know, as I said, you enjoy, <laughs> enjoy talking about the club. And if there's any particular matters that you do want to cover, uh, Evertonian to Evertonian, just let me know and we can get into them. Okay, but, sure. But, I mean, as I mentioned, Jules, we sat here last season. It was, you know, on the dawn of last season. I think it was actually the day after we signed Hammers as well. Uh, yeah. We were so optimistic. And we got off to a brilliant start. I believe it was like the best start to 126 years, something like that, to a season. You know, we were top in October, second on Boxing Day, uh, ended up finishing 10th, um, losing a manager who we all thought would take us on to Bramley Moor. Um, we've opted for a very controversial appointment uh, and as I hinted Just a bit. On, yeah, and as I hinted to there, um, we lost 4-0 to a Premier League side who we should, in all honesty, be competing with next season in the league. Uh, I hate to say it, but I just don't know how things are going to get better. Can you offer any sort of hope for a generation of Evertonians that are just used to this? Oh, God, at the start of last season, I thought this was it. I thought, finally, you know, although 25 years of waiting for... As to finally turn up and compete at the top was going to be the time, but it, it didn't turn out that way, did it? I, yeah, I'm with you, man. I'm so conflicted at the moment. And um, I, I thought Ancelotti was going to be the man to get us back to the top table. Um, it's a shame it worked out that way. I Part of me can understand why he felt the attraction to go back to Madrid. Part of me feels really let down because everything he'd said about you know, he loved the area, he was there for the project, he was there for the long haul. And then part of me thinks, well, did we get to where I thought we'd be under him? And no, I don't think we did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I know it was a year and a half. Maybe this season he'd have, he'd have taken us to the next level. But last two months of last season, I didn't any sign, see any sign that it was coming. Um, obviously, financially, it's a tough summer for the club. Neither him nor Benitez is happening. Are going to get 100 million to go and spend to, to go again. So it's pretty much the squad that we see now, plus a couple of um, you know free, free transfers and a bit of money on Damari Gray. Uh, unless they suddenly pull a rabbit out of the hat in the next couple of weeks, but we'll wait and see. So, yeah, I, I'm in a very mixed place with Everton as well. The Benitez thing, I totally understand where a lot of Evertonians are coming from, totally being against the, the appointment. I'm a little more chilled about it. Maybe it helps that I, obviously, I'm fortunately longer up in the northwest down in down south now, so I don't maybe get wrapped up in it as much as the, the Evertonians in the area do. Uh, for me, Liverpool's 11 years ago. He's not gone directly from one to the other, so I can see past that. Um, was he the best man for the job at the time? I didn't see a lot of options out there that weren't going to be a gamble. In terms of CV and pedigree and English experience, I think he was the best man. But I totally get why a lot of Everton fans don't see it that way. So we'll wait and see what happens, mate. But I, one thing for sure, and I think everyone's, everyone's said it, he's got to get off to a good start, hasn't he? Yeah. Because if, if we don't win three or four of our first four or five games, particularly with the fixture this we've been handed, then it's going to be, it's not going to be long before the fans are on his back and it's going to be very tough for him. So I, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm actually quite optimistic that he's, a, he's the right man for the job we need at the moment. He hasn't got money to spend. He's known as a hands-on coach. We've seen all the stuff on the Everton social media of him really hands-on with the players. He makes players better. I've seen that in Newcastle. He made them better, didn't he? 
Uh, I didn't see a lot of evidence last season of Everton players really improving when I thought they would. Mm. So I'm hoping he gets more out of these players than we've seen in the last couple of seasons. His hands are tied, unless he can spend some money in the next couple of weeks. Uh, I'd like to think we're going to be challenging top six, but you know, I thought we'd be challenging top six last season and look how it faded away. So who knows, mate? It's just completely impossible to call, isn't it? Yeah, very unpredictable. And on that note of Benitez, I, I have heard just, uh, you know, a variety of arguments um, for him, against them. Uh, one of the better arguments that, I, that I've heard is that he is a good appointment in that he... Obviously, we've only ever won something with a former Evertonian at the helm. You know, you look at like Joe Royal, Harry Catrick, uh, Howard Kendall, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, again, we thought we were ready to sort of catapult into the you know the top six, but again, we still mm-hmm. were stuck in this transitional period, and as you say, we're stuck for for spending money due to FFP. Um, so he, in that case, in the lead up to Bramley Moore, may be a good transitional manager, but. Mm-hmm. For me, the most important factor, and even more so than the former Liverpool factor, what worries me about disappointment is is his recent CV and, and his lack of recent success, if you will. Um, yes, yeah. I know we won promotion with Newcastle uh, and, and stabilised them somewhat, but does that not concern you? Because um, he's nowhere near the manager that he was when he was at you know Valencia or, or even when he went to Liverpool and won uh, Champions League and FA Cup. Yeah, I suppose so. And a lot of people are saying, oh, look what he did in China. But let's be honest, <laughs> yeah, that, that was a financial thing, wasn't it? I, mean, I don't think he went there to sort of really boost his, his reputation in world football. For me, anyway, I don't think so. Uh, Newcastle, all right, yeah. But Newcastle aren't Everton, are they? No, you know? exactly. Um, and yeah, all right, the success he had was what, Liverpool 2005 and, and Valencia before that. But I... I <laughs> You know, experience is key, isn't it? I think experience is a big thing. I think the position Everton are in now, we needed an experienced manager. We could have gone down the younger manager route, but it would have anything would have been a gamble. You know, if you go down the inexperienced route and we've gone for a, a Graham Potter or an Eddie Howe or someone like that, you know, they have not got anything on their CV to show that they've won anything, have they? You know, so either way, for me, I, I don't look too much at that. I just look at the the guys are coached, and I know his reputation as a coach, former players. You know, love him as I said. He was brilliant for them. My manager, the way he managed them, the way he worked with them, made them better players. So I just look at that. Uh, I'm not so worried the fact that his main trophies were 10, 15 years ago. It doesn't bother me too much. Um, it was going to be a gamble whoever we went for. Yeah, no pleasing Evertonians, is there? <laughs> well, true, very true. You you said there, mate, and it is very right that I think his reception very much hinges on the start of the season uh, and how, how well he can get off the mark and our opening five fixtures have been very kind to us if you will uh, we we don't face any air quotes top six sides until October uh, starting with Southampton and Goodison on Saturday could you see a start of the season similar to the last well yeah I, th- if, I think I could I, I absolutely come I, I made a note of them earlier like you said up to the end of September those six games Southampton home Leeds away, Brighton away, Burnley home, Villa away, Norwich home. And I, I went through, you know, as we always do, don't we? Oh, we're going to win that one. we get three points there. Well, yeah. And obviously we don't know. That's what we've been saying earlier. It's such a guess at the moment as to what Everton are going to look like. You know, wouldn't surprise me if we're terrible. Wouldn't surprise me if we're actually 
really okay and we win a few games and we're hard to beat and we and, we're, and we, we start last season we should beat Southampton they're, they're in a season of change we should we've got to beat Southampton at home opening game Rafa needs to beat Southampton opening game you go to Leeds you probably take a point Leeds are a very good side now Brighton away you've got to go there and take three points you'd think Burnley at home we've got to be expecting to win that one Villa hey? I think Burnley's a tough one especially if you look at yeah, the, last, the last time they were a good some mate yeah, but I'm saying if we want to, if we want to start that last season, if we if we've got desires to be top six, we've got to be winning that one. Then you go to Villa, who I think are going to be a team to watch this season. I think despite the fact they've lost Grealish, some of the signings they've made really astute signings. So that'll be a tough one. So by the way, I'm putting a positive hat on here. I take a point from that one, and then Norwich at home should win that. So if it works out as I hope it will, 14 points from those 18 available by end of September. That's my positive spin and that would give us the sort of platform that we got last season but didn't manage to build on it and then it's a question of can you then go and get some big results in the, the games against the top team. So, yeah, that's my glass uh, half full <laughs> view on things. Uh, if we sat here in six weeks' time, uh, could we have a different conversation but I hope not. Possibly and that's a good point that you raise. You'd like to think, obviously, Ancelotti and his, his tactics played a huge role in that trait that we developed of picking up big results uh, mm-hmm. against top sides, which we certainly lacked in recent years. But yeah. I would like to think, I don't know what you call it, the knack, the skill set would have transferred onto the group of players uh, and they mm. will go into these big big games and fingers crossed pick up results. Um yeah. To move on from Everton now, uh, like you rightly said about the Euros, I mean, I guess, I guess they were still limited capacity to some extent, but now uh, I am absolutely delighted to see that sporting venues mm. are you know, near enough full capacity now. Um, and given that I haven't been to Goodison in what, well over a year, uh, I'm absolutely itching to get back. Um, for you, of course, um, in the sports media sphere, something professionally that I'm really interested in. What's the atmosphere like, uh, especially at Sky? Now things are touch wood, uh, returning to the way we know and love them. Yeah, it's great. Honestly, I mean, it's been really tough. You know, going back to the start of the lockdown, I, think, I can't remember how much you and I spoke about it last time, and we we're only what a few months into it, weren't we, at the time? But you know, Sky was like any workplace was basically effectively shut down. There's only a handful of people going in. I mean, how we kept Sky Sports News on air with you know a workforce of normally 200, but people working from home. You know, there's only about 10 people, I think, in, in Sky Sports News keeping it on air with this reduced. Um, uh, gallery we were working from so it was really tough and but the gradually the numbers have been coming back which just boosts the atmosphere we're all football fans there of course we are we all love our, our football so we're all the chatter started about the season obviously the Euros helped with all of that because everyone was really uh, involved and on board with that but now it's, it's just great you know I was on um, Tuesday night for the first soccer special of the season on, on Sky and um, just handing to all the reporters at the games and fans being there and you could hear the noise and the atmosphere down down their uh, their microphone, you know. And this was the first round of the League Cup, which traditionally you you know you'd have half empty stadiums and people are saving themselves for the league and stuff. But you know there was huge travelling uh, followings for, for for League One clubs and League Two clubs. There was huge you know, home fans for, for Championship sides, huge home, uh, home numbers. And it was just you know we've missed that, haven't we? We've missed it, and it just makes such a difference. I think everyone did a great job getting keeping football going last year. Um, but it wasn't the same, was it? It wasn't the same. And um, yeah, just having fans back, there's a real buzz. And I just, like you, cannot wait to get back to Goodison. I'm not sure when I'll first get, get there this season with, with work and stuff, but uh, it's going to be brilliant. We've, we've missed it, haven't we? Yeah, most certainly. And 
oh, as you say, that that feeling of walking into Goodison um, when mm. there's people, you know, people there. Because um, oh. I, I didn't get the chance to go when it was limited capacity, and it was pain. It was painful for me. It, yeah. You know, you know, yeah. like sitting there and watching it on the telly. Um, you know, I'm not going to have a dig at any of the top six sides here, but football isn't a TV program to me. Uh, I've been a, I've been a, you know, a match going supporter since like the age of ten. Um, mm. So. As I say, uh, and how big, how big a difference, Max? By the way, do you think it's going to be having the fans back? Because obviously we were brilliant away from home last season, weren't we? It was the home form that was the problem. We had some terrible results there. Do you think that we'll see the end of that? I think the fans will make all the difference. Well, it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? Because there's always that sort of um, the go-to complaint of Goodison being a, a toxic atmosphere. But then, mm. as you rightly say, you can just point to the results at home last season and say, you know, how how many of those, given if we had fans, would have it made mm. a difference? Um, so, as you say, mate, uh, you would like to think that the supporters will get behind. They'll certainly get behind the team. I've no doubt that they'll get behind the team. I'm sure they'll be a bit uh, cautious, given you know the summer and how it went. But they'll certainly back the team. Uh, you know, we, we've still got some tremendous talent there. You know, um, Richarlison just coming back from winning gold at the Olympics. Um, you'd like to think Calvert Lewin will return to full fitness as soon as possible after a busy summer, but. Uh, and of course, you know this, me, myself included. Like I've still not seen Hammers play um, in person, no. uh, and I, I yeah. will never forgive the football club if they let him go. And I haven't seen him play in person, so yeah, totally. I'm, I'm, I'm holding on to that uh, the prospect of seeing Hammers Rodriguez play live in person. That'll uh, certainly keep me keen. But uh, yeah, I, I I do think it'll make a massive difference, mate. Um, mm. Going forward, you know, we've been so long without them, so to have a, a full house of Goodison, yeah. it'll mean the world. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And like I said, I think it will depend on the start. And, you know, Saturday, yeah, we know there's the, the, the reservations for Benitez from a lot of people, but I just hope everyone, and I'm not an early well, Evertonians will, they'll get behind the team on the day. And, you know, if we get an early goal, you know, that could just set us off, couldn't it? And then, you know, Goodison becomes a fortress again, doesn't it? And then it could be a very different season. Certainly. Uh, sprinkle a bit of good football on, on top of that, school of science. Yeah, take that, wouldn't we? We'll get him yeah. Of it. Listen, Jules, I know you're, uh, you're strapped for time and it, as always, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure to, to catch up with you. Uh, you're always welcome to come onto the podcast whenever you've got some free time and, as I say, until next time. Yeah, thanks, Max. Thanks for having me on. It's, yeah, time was limited today because it's, it's a daddy daycare day for me. So, you know, <laughs> my wife's working today, so uh, we have to take it in turn. So I've got to go off and take them to the park or something, <laughs> give them an ice cream and keep them happy. But yeah, good to speak to you and thanks for having me on again. Likewise, mate. Have a good time at the park. Cheers, thanks, and uh, of the Sophies, let's hope for the best day.